Hello and welcome to the Barley Snyder Legal Update Podcast. Barley Snyder is a full-service law firm with over 100 attorneys practicing in central Pennsylvania and Maryland. My name is Peter Fabin, and I am the host for this episode of Barley Snyder's Legal Update Podcast. I am a partner in Barley Snyder's litigation and health law practice groups, and the focus of my practice is on the defense of healthcare providers in medical malpractice litigation. With me today is Luke Weber, who is also part of our medical malpractice defense team here at Barley Snyder. Thanks for joining me, Luke. Thanks, Peter. Glad to be here. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about the case of Redonda Vaught, a former nurse at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, who was found guilty of criminally negligent homicide and gross neglect of an impaired adult after a jury trial in March of 2022. The criminal charges arose out of a medication error that resulted in the death of a 75-year-old woman in December 2017. I want to talk about this case um, because it captured the attention of the national media in a way that's fairly rare for stories from our corner of the legal world. Uh, and it's also caused a lot of concern with nurses and hospitals for understandable reasons. Um, before we begin our discussion, Luke, can you remind the listeners about the facts of the case? Absolutely, Peter. Uh, so this case involves a patient by the name of Charlene Miller, presented to Vanderbilt in December of 2017 with a diagnosis of an intracranchymal a hematoma or bleeding on the brain in layman's terms. Uh, she was admitted to the neurointensive care unit at the hospital. Two days after her admission, she was sent to the radiology department of the hospital for a PET scan. While in the radiology department, she reported to the techs that she was feeling claustrophobic and she asked for something for her anxiety prior to being placed in the scanner. Her physician was contacted and an order for two milligrams of midazolam was ordered, uh, which is commonly known by its trade name of Versed. This is a medication that's frequently used for patients with anxiety. A signed nurse on the floor requested that a floater, a Ms. Redonda Vaught, go down to the radiology department to administer the medication. Uh, Ms. Vaught went to the medication cabinet on the floor to obtain Versed. However, instead of taking out Versed, which had been ordered for the patient, Ms. Vaught inadvertently grabbed Vecaronium, a paralytic agent used uh, during surgery as well as intubation. Given the medication's paralytic qualities, uh, it can cause respiratory distress and even death when administered inappropriately. Ms. Vaught went down to radiology with the Vecaronium, also referred to as Vec, uh, and gave it to the patient. And she was left unattended after taking the medication, and approximately 30 minutes later, the radiology technicians noticed that Ms. Murphy was not breathing, and a code was called. The code team was able to turn spontaneous circulation, but the patient had sustained a severe brain injury from lack of oxygen at that point and was not expected to recover. Life support was ultimately withdrawn, and she passed away early the next day. So the key alleged negligence in this case is this administration of the Vecuronium as opposed to the Versed, which had been ordered. And I understand that the use of an automatic dispensing cabinet was at the heart of that error. Can you tell me what exactly happened there to cause this issue? Sure. And for a lot of people who aren't as familiar with the use of the automatic dispensing cabinet, it, it sounds a little confusing at first. When Ms. Vault was asked to administer Versed to the patient, she went to a cabinet to obtain the medication. The automatic dispensing cabinet is a, a pre-stocked cabinet that can be used to retrieve an order of the medication that's placed at the time. 
It's essentially a, a giant pillbox that's integrated with the computer system. Ordinarily, uh, medications that have been ordered for a patient would be listed on the monitor under the patient's name. Uh, once the order is selected by the provider, uh, the container holding the appropriate medication would open and the medication could be administered to the patient. However, medications would only be listed in the automatic dispensing cabinet once an order had been approved by the pharmacist. Uh, as you might expect, problems can arise at times when medications need to be administered quickly before the pharmacist has time to uh, review the orders and approve them. In these situations, cabinets allow for nurses or other providers to override the system to allow them to obtain the medication through a simple search. Uh, this is what happened in this case. When Ms. Vaught accessed the uh, cabinet, there was no order for Versed for this patient, so she searched manually. Ms. Vaught has later claimed at the time that the electronic systems at Vanderbilt were not all communicating well with each other, which led to delays in the cabinets uh, recognizing medication orders and that overrides were being used routinely. In this particular instance, she reported to investigators later that she typed in the letters VE into the cabinet searching for Versed and then selected the first medication that came up, which was actually Vecaronium. The medication in the cabinet are listed by their generic name. So Versed, whose generic name is Midazolam, would not have come up under VE as she had been searching. This is obviously not the first case in which there was a poor outcome for a patient as a result of a medication error, but this case grabbed national news. And the reason that it did was because the local district attorney ultimately decided to press charges against Ms. Vaught. For those in the medical field who not, might not understand the differences between criminal charges or the civil claims that you and I typically deal with on a daily basis, and then medical and nursing licensure issues, can you just explain to our listeners what those differences are? Without giving you a, a law school exam, Peter, uh, the criminal justice system involves claims by the prosecutor for the state, uh, like us here in Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth. Uh, the prosecutor must prove their elements of the charges beyond a reasonable doubt. In the criminal justice system, we're talking about potential penalties involving prison, fines, community service, court supervision. The civil system involves claims between private citizens. In medical malpractice cases, for example, this would be the patient against the provider. In civil cases, uh, we call the party bringing the case the plaintiff. They have the burden of proving their case by a preponderance of the evidence, which really just means are their claims more likely than not true? a much lower standard than the criminal requirement. In civil cases, no one goes to prison. The outcome, if the plaintiff is successful, is that they receive money. Another important aspect is that civil cases, like medical malpractice cases, involve a question of whether the provider's conduct was reasonable or was it negligent. In the criminal context, with serious crimes, the prosecution must prove that the actor had a certain criminal state of mind or criminal intent, if you will. Now, you told me earlier that the death at issue in this case occurred in December of 2017, but the indictment from the local district attorney did not come until February of 2019. What exactly was going on in between those two points in time? According to the, the reporting about the case, Peter, and, and there's been a lot of reporting about the, the various processes that have played out, uh, an initial notice that went out to the county medical examiner about the patient's death did not mention the medication error. And no independent investigation to the death was conducted at that time. Ms. Vaught, however, 
promptly reported the medication error to the hospital administration, and some degree of internal investigation was conducted at Vanderbilt. Then in 2018, the patient's family negotiated and resolved a civil claim against Vanderbilt. The settlement, of course, was confidential. It may have appeared that the whole matter had resolved at that point. In early October 2018, anonymous complaints were made to both state and federal regulators about a medication error being responsible for the patient's death. The state Department of Health ended up investigating the matter and sent a letter later that month advising Ms. Vaught that the state was not going to take any adverse action against her nursing license. Federal regulators took a different stance. CMS performed two site inspections at Vanderbilt and released a report faulting the hospital for failing to mitigate the risks to patients of medication errors and failing to report the incident, among other things. State agencies took a look at the case again. No regulatory action was taken against the hospital. The Department of Health reversed its decision with respect to Ms. Vaught and charged her with unprofessional conduct, abandoning or neglecting a patient that required care and failing to maintain an accurate patient record. Then in July of 2021, a disciplinary hearing was held, following which Ms. Vaught's nursing license was revoked. Stemming from all of these developments, the matter was referred to prosecutor and criminal charges were brought against Ms. Vaught. She was charged with negligent homicide and abuse of an impaired person. The criminal case was tried over four days in March of 2022, and the jury returned a guilty verdict on both charges against Ms. Vaught. Although the charges carried a potential sentence of eight years in jail, Ms. Vaught was ultimately sentenced to three years of supervised probation. Peter, as I mentioned earlier, Vanderbilt had settled with the family out of court prior to any civil or criminal litigation uh, in this matter. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning that even after these later investigations, Vanderbilt was not criminally prosecuted. It does not appear that they faced any type of uh, public administrative penalties. But there have been some concerns raised with some of the systemic failures that were raised in the vault matter at Vanderbilt. Yeah, absolutely. We talked earlier about this issue, as you were explaining earlier with the automatic dispensing cabinets, there was a problem with the override, uh, Ms. Vaught using an override to obtain a medication as strong and as potentially dangerous as midazolam uh, from the, the cabinet. And we know from the reporting in this case and the responses from Vanderbilt to the administrative investigation that the hospital has made some changes to its practices and policies with respect to these automatic dispensing cabinets to prevent this from occurring again. Uh, for example, they removed midazolam from certain cabinets in the hospital, and they now have new patient transport policies to ensure that patients are more actively monitored in the radiology department. And they also put in additional roadblocks to prevent regular system overrides. But some of these issues remain industry-wide and seem difficult to remedy with simple changes like these uh, policy changes that Vanderbilt has implemented. For example, Ms. Vaught was criticized for clicking away a number of warnings in the computer system. And we know that EHR systems generate a lot of warnings and hard stops, which are designed to prevent errors from occurring. But when you get so many of these warnings building up uh, and providers seeing warnings on a regular basis, it has a tendency to create what's been referred to as warning fatigue. It's like a, a high-tech boy crying wolf that just like the story, gets ignored by the people who need to take action. Uh, on top of that, Peter, it's been reported with Ms. Vaught being a floater, that she wasn't necessarily comfortable with the cabinet she was using or going down to radiology to administer this medication. Uh, given the, the national labor shortages and the, the drain on nurses, it 
it seems hard to imagine that there's a quick fix for having more staff available for more familiarity in, in each department. Absolutely. And I think the million dollar question for many nurses, and one of the questions that I personally have been asked about this case, is whether we need to be worried about this becoming a trend. I know we discussed this a number of times internally, and we have doubts that there's reason to be concerned that prosecutors will file charges against nurses on a more regular basis. Um, we have seen healthcare providers charged, but typically that's been limited to intentional conduct uh, or misconduct of a sexual nature. It's very rare to see these sorts of charges with either reckless or grossly negligent conduct. That's right. In the criminal justice system, prosecutors have a great deal of discretion to bring claims. So just because there's a legal theory that may be possible for a prosecutor to bring a case doesn't mean there's going to be nationwide interest in bringing cases against nurses or any other healthcare providers. Uh, in recent years, we saw a number of prosecutions related to overprescribing of opioids for uh, chronic pain here, here in Pennsylvania. So, so much so that the United States Supreme Court even weighed in on the issue earlier this year uh, regarding the, the standard that's applied for physicians prescribing opioids under the Controlled Substance Act. The High Court made clear, at least under the Controlled Substance Act, that physicians are entitled to some degree of professional judgment, and the government must show that physicians acted in an unauthorized manner or intended to do so. Again, this is looking for criminal acts that are more of a deliberate nature uh, rather than criminalizing medical errors. That's right, Luke. That was uh, one of the Supreme Court's decisions from this past term that did not get as much national coverage. Some of the other decisions that they they issued that uh, did garner national attention. Although, to be clear, I think the heightened standard that the Supreme Court talked about, that wouldn't necessarily affect any of Ms. Vaught's criminal charges. Is that correct? That's a good point, Peter. Ms. Vaught was charged under state law, uh, under state criminal law, would not be preempted by Controlled Substance Act precedent. So the fact that this medication error, um, however bad the error and tragic the result may be, because it ended up in criminal court, it was shocking to many nurses and uh, to those of us who defend medical malpractice cases uh, in the, on the civil side. I think the outrage and shock that I have heard both from providers and attorneys highlights how unusual this case is. Nonetheless, I think we can expect some lobbying efforts nationwide to, to possibly correct against these types of prosecutions, maybe providing some sort of limited immunity to medical providers. I would not be surprised. Uh, there was some aggressive lobbying uh, in the near future at the legislative level to provide a response to the Vought case. And we certainly did see both statewide and nationwide nursing and other healthcare organizations issuing statements condemning the actions of the prosecutor in bringing charges against Ms. Vaught. I think you're right to anticipate some continued aggressive lobbying on that front. Uh, with that, Luke, I, I think we've reached our end point for our discussion today. It's been fun discussing this case with you, uh, this time with microphones on in front of us. Uh, for anyone listening at home who may be interested and want more information regarding the Vaught case or anything we discuss on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to our healthcare litigation team. And you can reach us at www.barley.com. Uh, Luke and I have pages on the website where you can access our contact information. So thanks again, Luke. Thank you, Peter.
please, listeners, understand that the information provided during episodes of Barley Snyder's podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or as a substitute for legal counsel. Nothing in this podcast is intended to create an attorney-client relationship. If you have questions about your legal situation or about how to apply information discussed in this episode to your situation or about how any other information found on our website may affect your business or organization, you should consult an attorney for assistance.